Have you ever had a secret that you wanted to scream? Or are holding on to a side of the truth that nobody knows? Do you have a trauma that you tried to bury, but somehow it still finds you? Me too. And now? I'm just saying F it. I'm going to share funny things with you and dark moments. And I'm going to say these things that have been weighing on me for so long out loud for the first time. My name is Caitlin, and this is my podcast, F It. Depression. We've all felt it. Sure, the cause, the severity, and the outcome may differ between us, but I'd say other than happiness and anxiety, it's the most familiar emotion to us. But for some reason, this feeling that is so known to so many of us and can relate us to one another makes us feel so isolated. So, Some of us choose to suffer in our own silence. We feel restricted in our own skin because what lies underneath is just pure chaos. A chaos that liquefies our bones and chooses irony every time it throws a forced, hollow smile on our faces. We are at the will of this chaos because depression makes us a ghost that wears the skin of somebody we used to know. This episode is about that ghost, about feeding it, about fighting it. So let's fucking talk about it. Growing up, I always felt like an outsider. It wasn't that I was unloved or purposely pushed aside, but my two brothers had each other and my two sisters had each other. And then there was me. It felt like I was alone in a movie that wasn't about me. Sure, when we got older, we all did things together and we made a big point of making sure we included each other in whatever it is we wanted to do. But when we were younger, the age difference between us spoke volumes. We had different interests. Of course, I had friends. I had three really close friends that I did a lot of things with. But at home, my brothers played video games in the room they shared, with a no Katie's allowed sign on the door. And my sisters were into makeup and gossiping about boys and causing mischief when they weren't trying to sneak out or smoke in the house without my parents knowing. They were trying to turn me against my dad. We have different dads even though my dad was a father to them in every single way that matters. But they'd try to cloud his character with a fog of lies and gossip. Their vengeful voices buzzed in my ear like a cicada in the beginning of summer. I never believed their cruel words. You see, even when I was younger, I learned how to see through the colorful facades people painted of their true motives. And so I saw the true black and white bones of my sister's intentions. I saw their pain. My dad is humble, courageous, and kind. He played with us 
He made snowmen with us. He took us to community activities every single weekend. He even ate every shitty, half-cooked cake I made with my Easy Bake Oven. He'd smile through the gags and pretend he loved them. He unquestionably worked his body into the ground to support us. But most of all, he was present, and he showed all of us how much he loved us. They didn't get any of that from the person they were told was their dad. For them, it was a person who rarely showed up on time, if at all. It was somebody who regularly forgot their birthday. It was a person who fed them cigarettes and held the neck of an iced-cold beer tighter and with more affection than he did his own children. They were hurting. Deeply, deeply they were hurting. And that's why I dealt with it. Because I knew that no matter how they tried to make me feel, I knew my dad. And I knew every ounce of his nature. I knew that I was the lucky one. During this time, my parents worked opposite shifts. My dad would work all day, and my mom would work at night. So, in my lonely bubble of a home, that's where I found my pencil. I'd write short stories about how I felt through the eyes of a character that I made up. And as I got older, this writing style grew with me. One character that I loved to write through was Norman. He was a depressed old man that commits suicide and becomes the Grim Reaper. I created him when I was 18, after something really traumatic happened to me. I only told a couple of people about what happened, but each time I was met with a response that hurt even more. So, I swallowed it. And I let it destroy my sense of self until everything that I liked about myself was evicted through my pores. And I, I was left hollow. And the only company that I had to entertain was the ghost of my depression. Like a lot of people who fall into this hole, I started to think about death a lot. Not necessarily mine. I mean, I never even had the thought or the intent to hurt myself. But dying still occupied me. The feeling. The crusade. The final moment. And with this, I turned to my pages. And I started writing about it. And Norman held these feelings and these thoughts for me. It was the summer after senior year of high school. The woods behind my house were full of life. My favorite place to go and write was this small clearing. It was circular and about half the size of my bedroom. But unlike the usual disarray the walls of my home offered, it was peaceful and quiet. The trees enclosed it and formed a dome over the top. When I sat in the middle, my eyes were overwhelmed by the life bouncing off the grass and the trees and entering my eyes in one simple color, green. If I closed my eyes, I'd hear the birds 
singing me a lullaby, putting me in a trance that I never wanted to leave. My bare feet gliding through the fresh grass, this always through a smile on my face. The fresh leaves and flowers plunged into my nostrils and filled my body with energy. I was far away from human life. It was here that I was able to leave myself. I was able to leave my feelings and write as Norman. And with these suffocating feelings, he came alive. He came alive through the letters I wrote in a cheap notebook. Now, it's only fair that I read him to you. Not only because I've been talking so much about him, but because this short story describes the darkness that I had back then. It'll explain it much better than I could even attempt to now, now that I'm in a much better mindset. Yes, it's pretty dark, as you could imagine, but here it goes. It's called Undertaking the Adventure of Death to Come Alive. Have you ever gone through your life and the thought of dying pops up? Well, it has for me. Actually, it's occupied my head at every moment. I was a 72-year-old man, and I thought about that moment my whole life. I wasn't anything impressive before I died. Nothing to be proud of. My name was Norman. My legs were the same length as my stubby arms. My gut dripped onto my upper thighs. I'm not sure a vegetable has ever even crossed my lips. And because I smoked two packs a day since grade school, I looked 20 years older than I actually was. So I already looked like I had one foot into my own casket. I worked a job where a corporation consumed me and just like everybody else in this country, it drowned my mind in sorrow, but refused to let me show it. In a way, I guess I worked my whole life to experience death. Growing up, my home life sucked, but whose doesn't? But I don't even want to focus on the life that I lived because this is not sympathy hour. Instead, I want to tell you about the time I finally experienced life. And that was through death. Death is a beautiful thing. It's like a sundance in a nightmare's trance. When I experienced death, I came to life. While I was living, death was calling me softly with nurturing hands while life was restraining me and tearing my soul with a vengeance. My mind fought with the beacon of my body, attempting to eject itself from its blank cinder block walls to an adventurous body in the need of an adventurous soul. Before I died, the blood to bone ratio and my body made my mind curdle. My bones were so strong, and yet 
They were drowning in something so impermeable. The blood. The blood that flowed freely within was confined and caged inside my skin walls and it was taunted by my stable bones. Each was antagonized by its own limit to power. My body was forever at war with itself. At least until I set it free. I thought by removing the dictatorship that my body had over itself, my soul would no longer be locked in its own contradicting penitentiary. I was right. How I died isn't important, even if it was self-inflicted. It's the journey into death that you need to know. It was a feeling that I have not felt since the last time I melted my demons onto a spoon and shot the closest thing to God into my veins. The feeling of my insides taking flight. The first wave I felt from dying was panic. A sting of hysteria rose under my skin as I watched the blood pour from my wrists. Regret gathered around my tonsils and moved to the tears forming in my eyes. I have not cried in 60 years, but then they poured from me uncontrollably and without my permission. That's when the second wave rushed into me. It was an epiphany that took hold of my breathing. And it was here, on my dingy mattress, where I came alive. Even though I knew that I only had seconds left, I was happy. Happy to finally experience some kind of human emotion. And that's when the regret lifted. The next wave was comfort. I slept on the same crunchy mattress for years, and not once was it with pleasure. But right then, and right there, my body melted into the stained, naked mattress that laid on my floor, and the pleasure massaged every muscle. With every muscle beginning to relax, I have never felt such freedom. The final wave that filled me was enlightenment. I felt simply weightless, which is a word I would have never used to describe my life until now. I looked out the window across from my mattress. The sun was high, ruling over the clouds and the clouds drifted effortlessly underneath with every passing second. It was a reminder that the world would happily go on without me. A smooth breeze pushed through the window and its warm lips kissed my cheek. This loving fidelity consumed me. The freedom of the wind 
danced with the infinity of my being that still remained in my body. Then something foreign happened in my heart and revealed itself on my face. Because this foreign entity put a display on my face and my yellow charred teeth also got to feel the wind. My lips split resembling my wrists because they have never experienced this formation, at least not to my recollection. The blood that still remained in my body seeped from the cracks within my lips. It was an unfamiliar happiness that stretched across my face. It was a smile. Tears then fell from my eyes again, but this time they were very different. They were the overflow of happiness that spilled from my heart. I needed a path to escape my body. I didn't even know I was capable of this emotion. But now it fills me to the brim and pours from my optic pits. The uncontrollable echo of life reverberated off my corporation and captured mind. And finally, the pigment of my imagination took the place of my now disappearing reality. I could finally feel as my environment enclosed on me. A great pleasure engulfed me. A celestial light tingled my toes and sailed all the way to my fingertips. I died, but the boundless light absorbed me. I felt it extract my soul. It was like goosebumps, only I could feel my life force escaping through my pores and becoming one with this light. And then the light turned to something I was more familiar with. I was welcomed into the shadows where darkness became my light. I became a collector of the lost, mistreated, and wrongdoers. At the end, your sins and your soul will combine into one. And that growth will become mine. I'll hold it, enslave it, and I'll feed from it. I was a solid human, and now I'm as fluid and as chilling as the night's wind. Every time you step out of your warm, comfortable house and into the night, think of me with every breeze that stings your cheek and bites your nose, the one that sends that eerie feeling down your spine. Know that it's me grooming you for the end. I don't want you to forget about me. After all, I will have you one day. There's not a single entity who loves death more than me. So I will collect yours. I'll absorb your death and soul. Like a family of five absorbs a campfire's heat on a cold summer night. But don't be afraid, because there is only one thing to fear, and that is not being able to undertake the adventure 
of death. And luckily for each and every one of you, that is an adventure that you cannot escape. And in the end, I will be the one to welcome you to the reaping. But until then, I wish you the best of luck. Welp, that shit was dark. You know, you know, listening to that, it's kind of scary. I was depressed. And, you know, I never told anybody about it. But most of us don't, right? Because we think that nobody will understand and nobody will care. But look at the driver in the car next to you. They probably understand. Look at that friend that you meet for coffee. Or that coworker that's always smiling. They probably all understand. And look at that smile on your mom's face, or on your dad's face, or your partner, or even your dog when you come home from work. They care. So my advice is, open up and tell somebody. Because I didn't do this, and for a long time, the weight of it all was crushing. Another piece of advice is to find an outlet for expression. To find a vessel to pour what you're feeling into something healthy that's going to make you feel better. Writing, for me, was the most therapeutic thing I could have possibly done. It was the one thing that made me feel seen. Like I could unload all of my dark shit and it would stay there without judgment or repercussion. Writing saved me. I don't know who I would have been or what I would have done without it. So find something that makes you feel better happier. It's a fight upstream and against the current, but it will get better and easier. Your head will get above the water and you will feel like yourself again. And that is a fucking promise. Thank you guys for listening. If you liked this episode, leave a rating and a review of what you think. And follow for future episodes. But for now, I'll see you next time.